What a great way to start the new year by coming to, to church and worshiping the Lord. I'll tell you, that's the right way to kick this year off. This is going to be a great year. I'm excited for what God's going to do in this church, in our lives. I know I'm excited what he's going to do in my life, and I'm excited what he's going to do in your life. Uh, I'm Pastor Randy. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm going to be your speaker today. What a great way to start the new year. I know, that's what you're... They're all thinking, I didn't know we'd be this blessed on the first day of the year. Well, I'd like you to take out your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 to 26, or you can follow along on the screen, but if you want to take out your Bible, Hebrews 11, 24 to 26, says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I, I like that. Hey, there goes Moses, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Oh, no, that's not me. That's who I used to be. Not anymore. Right? Who I am now is I choose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. That's why you're here this morning, because you see Christ as of greater value than the world, and you are looking ahead to your reward, and you are able to see he who is invisible. He's visible to us because he's in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for, for your word this morning. Just let it come alive in us and draw us to you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said... Amen. So today, as you know, is one of those weird years when New Year's Day falls on a Sunday. And since today is the first day of the year, I thought it'd be good to preach a message called Let's Get Started. You know, now with, with uh, New Year's comes a tradition of what? New Year's resolutions, right? How many of you have made New Year's resolutions so far, or you're not even going to try, but... But um, I came across some, some people's New Year's resolutions, which were, were kind of funny, or, or maybe you can relate to them. Uh, I like one guy, he said, I can't believe that it's been a whole year since I didn't become the person I wanted to be. I guess he thought it was just going to magically happen or something. One guy said, I'm going to work out every day, or at least consider it. Well, that, you might be able to keep that one. One young man's resolution was, I'm going to lose lots of weight marry Scarlett Johansson, and find the lost city of Atlantis. He figured he wasn't going to achieve any of them, so you might as well go big, right? One guy wrote, I like this one, my resolution for 2017 is to accomplish all the goals I set for 2016, which I should have done in 2015 because I planned them in 2014. All right, I can relate to that guy. So New Year's is a time we tend to make resolutions or set goals or, or make changes or, or at least think about or want to make changes. And, and those are, are good things. The problem is, is one of our greatest fears of New Year's resolutions or wanting to make changes in our lives or the desire to change is I won't finish what I start. And consequently, we never start. Now, one of the hardest parts uh, of making big changes in our lives is that getting started part. You know, can't you relate to that? You know, I I'm going to start a diet. I'm going to start eating better, but not today. 
Today I'm going to Golden Corral, which is like my Disney world, right? I should go to the gym and pump iron and get on the treadmill, but eh, not today, maybe tomorrow. Now in life, we may not finish everything we start, but I can guarantee you, you'll never finish what you don't start. So today we're going to look at a guy who had trouble, some trouble getting started. And God certainly had to give him a, a nudge or even a kind of a pretty good push. Sometimes we need a push, don't we? Kind of reminds me of that story of uh, eccentric Texas billionaire who had this great big swimming pool and he filled it full of crocodiles and alligators and he sent word out. He said, any man who's brave enough to swim across my swimming pool, I will give my daughter's hand in marriage and he will become my heir. And it's going to happen on such and such a date. So come on out. And so on that day, the, the hundreds of people, thousands of people came out to see who would be brave enough or stupid enough to swim across this swimming pool. The press was there, and everybody was standing around and waiting for somebody to do it. And all of a sudden, splash! And, and there was arms and legs flailing. And this guy, got, he, he swam across that pool so fast, those alligators and crocodiles barely even had time to know he was there. And he gets out on the other side, and everybody comes running up to him. The press surrounds him. The Texas billionaire comes running up, and he says, son, that's the most bravest thing I've ever seen. What do you have to say for yourself? And he's like, I just want to know one thing. Who pushed me? <laughs> Sometimes we just need a push, don't we? That guy Moses needed kind of a little push from God, and maybe you're in that same boat. You have things in your life that you need to get started. Maybe you just need a push to get that going. So what do you, what do you need to start? Do you need to get healthy? Well, maybe you need to just go join a gym, or, or do you need to, to get a business off the ground you've been thinking about? You know what? You, you've been thinking about it. Just, just go, go start that. Maybe you want to be in a relationship. Hey, you know, call up eHarmony. Christian Mingle, FarmersOnly.com, whatever. Some of you guys, take a shower. Put on deodorant. Get up the nerve to ask. Maybe there's a relationship that needs restoration, that needs healing and mending. Maybe you need to go pick up that phone or or write a letter, or, or reach out. You know, the Bible says that's a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. Or it might be on your heart to, to start being more generous. I want to be more generous this year with my time. I want to get involved in ministry, or, or with my money. I want to start tithing, or increase my giving, or, or even becoming a better tipper at, when I go out to the restaurant. Just being more generous. You can have all kinds of things you need to get started, be it in the home, or the church, or the workplace. Here's a little exercise you can do if you, if you kind of want to find out, well, what do I need to get started on? Sometimes it helps to figure out where you're at and where you, where, where you want to go, and that's what you need to get started on. Like, for instance, they told me when I, when I, when I was a young pastor, somebody gave me advice. If you want to do a building program, picture what you want the building to look like at the, at the end, the end result, and then start working back from there. 
You know, just picture the building. You're, you turn the key, you walk in, but then now, now start walking back. You're doing the finishing work. You're putting in, in, in the walls. You're putting in the plumbing and the electrical and, the, and, the, and the, you're buying the property. And, and that kind of helps to, when you see the end, that kind of helps to tell you where you need to go. What, by seeing the end result, it helps you to get there. Now, I want you to fast forward all the way past 2017, all the way to the end of your life. All right, pretend you're at your memorial service. You're, you're dead, but you're, pretend you're there, right? You're, you're going to be there, but pretend you can hear what they're saying about you. They're standing around eating cheese and crackers, and they're talking about you. Now, what do you hope they say about you? Because in that answer, that may tell you what you need to get started on. Or just imagine it, kind of a nicer thing. Just imagine you're sitting around with your grandkids or your great-grandkids, and you're telling them your life story. This is my life story, kids. Well, what do you want that story to say? You may need to get started on that story right now because, remember, you're never going to finish what you don't start. I mean, picture Moses. Moses telling his grandkids his life story. What a, what a story he could tell, right? Yeah, I, I was on, on the backside of the desert. I was in Nowheresville. And then all of a sudden, this burning bush starts talking to me. And, and, and then I go down to Egypt, and God sends 10 plagues. And, and I bring the people of Egypt, the, the children of Israel, out, out of Egypt. And, and we come up to the sea. And, and, and the Egyptians are behind us. And, and we're trapped by the sea. And man, what a story, right? I don't know if you ever heard about the, the little boy who came home from Sunday school and, and his mom said, what did you learn? He says, I, we, today we learned about Moses and the skin divers. She said, what? She says, oh yeah, Moses came out of the desert with the children of Israel and, and the Egyptians were following him and they came to the Red Sea and they crossed this bridge and after they crossed the bridge, the Egyptians crossed the bridge and Moses sent down skin divers and they threw them down and planted explosives on the bridge and blew it up when the Egyptians were on it. And his mom says, did your Sunday school teacher teach you that? He said, oh, no, if I told you what she said, you'd never believe it. <laughs> I mean, Moses had an unbelievable story, didn't he? But Moses was able to see the end, and that helped him get started. Remember, he was looking forward to his reward. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, that the, the, they call this the hall of faith, that Moses chose to be mistreated with God's people. He chose, uh, he had to choose between, let's see, do I, do I want to be with oppressed slaves or Egyptian royalty? Oppressed slaves or Egyptian royalty? I'm going with the oppressed slaves. He chose disgrace for the sake of Christ over the pleasures of sin for a season, all over the riches of Egypt. Let's see, disgrace for Christ or sin? I'm going with disgrace for Christ. He chose a life of mistreatment over a pampered, powerful life. Who would do that? Willingly. Moses did. Because he was looking forward to his reward. He saw the end. The Bible says he was able to see God who is invisible. You're here this morning because you can see God who is invisible. Moses saw the end and he said, that's where I want to go. That's where I want to be. And Moses would go down as one of God's greatest servants, one of the greatest leaders of all time. And that's why he's listed in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. But that's not where he started. He didn't have such a great start, but he had a really great finish. 
I'll just give you a little background here, just, just to kind of fill this in if you're not familiar with the story. About 400 years before Moses is born, Jacob, who was called Israel, that's where Israel gets its name from, and his family is invited by Pharaoh to come down and live in Egypt. And the reason why they're invited down is because Joseph, uh, Jacob's son Joseph basically saved the, the, the whole nation of Egypt from a terrible famine through the knowledge that God gave him. So now they're living in Egypt, and at first they're honored guests. But then the Egyptians turned on them and made them into slaves and turned them into builders. And the problem was for the, for the Egyptians is the Israelites began to multiply and, and just have kind of a big population explosion. And that started to scare the Egyptians that these guys are outbreeding us. We don't know what's going to happen here. So, so Moses calls in Planned Parenthood and says, we got to get rid of some of these Hebrew babies. The male babies need to be thrown into the Nile. This was an early attempt at population control. So Moses' mom says, hey, nobody's throwing my baby in the river. And she puts baby Moses in a boat and sends him floating down the Nile. And by God's hand, he floats to where Pharaoh's daughter is bathing. And she sees Moses and Moses gets adopted into Pharaoh's family. And so for the first 40 years of his life, he's raised a prince of Egypt which means Moses gets great education, great training, great life. And then one day when he's about 40 years old, he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew man. And so that, let's pick up our story here in Exodus chapter 2, verse 12. Glancing this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Let me just interject something. When, when you've got to look this way and that way, when you catch yourself doing that, you're probably getting ready to do something wrong, right? And so he looks around, and he sees nobody looking, and so Moses, the big man, the man of action, Mr. I'll fix this, I'll take care of this, he jumps in, kills the Egyptian, probably killed him with his bare hands. I mean, Moses is kind of a B.A., if you can do that, right? He kills him, hides the body, and thinks nobody saw me. The next day, he goes out. Goes out for a little stroll, sees two Hebrew men fighting. Moses, the big man, the man of action, Mr. Afixis, jumps in and he says, Brothers, can't we all just get along? And the Hebrew man said, Who do you think you are? Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? Oh, yeah, that's right. I got it on video. <laughs> and I'm putting it on Facebook. And it's going viral right now, Moses. Yeah. So Moses is like, busted. I am out of here. And he goes out and he has to go out into the wilderness to hide out. And he's out there 40 years tending sheep. So you could say Moses is on the lamb, tending lambs. I know, that was bad, right? But at this point, Moses figures, my life, this is my life. This, this is where I'm going to die. This is my story. I'm a big flop. I was a somebody, and now I'm a nobody, and I'm going to die out here and be forgotten. And then one day, Moses sees this bush burning but it's not burning up. And he says, man, I gotta, I gotta check this out. Now remember, at this point in his life, Moses is 80 years old. He's been collecting social security now for 15 years. 
and he thinks he's done, gone, and forgotten. But somebody said, you might want to write this down, if you're not dead, you're not done. And God starts to speak to Moses. All right, and so we're going to pick it up in Exodus chapter 3, verse 3 to 10. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight, why, did the, why, why the bush does not burn up. And when, when, he, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, yeah, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. God sees you. He knows what's going on in your life. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of, the, out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and not to mention the Parasites as well. And now the cry of the, Israeli, of the Israelites has reached me, and, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Whoa. Moses is like, wow, thanks, God. This is a great calling. Man, I can't wait to get going on this. No, not at all. Moses had a really hard time getting started. And his response is, and look at verse 11, the next verse. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go and, and to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I, you know, who are you? Who me? You talking to me, God? I don't see anybody else. Are you talking to me? Moses had this awesome calling, but had such a hard time getting started. And can't we be just like Moses sometimes? You know, we're, we're in that place. Well, I, I just how do I do this? Where, where do I start? What what needs to get started? So this year, you may have something in your life that God's calling you to do, that you need to do, that you or maybe something you need to change. And the hardest part is getting started. So this morning, the first day of the new year, we're going to look at getting started. All right, so first of all, you want to write down is start where you are. Start where you are. So God said, go, set my people free. And Moses says, uh, but God, I'm, I'm just one guy. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm a wanted man in Egypt. My picture's my, I think it's my picture's still up on the post office down there. I'm just a shepherd. I'm 80 years old. I'm not even that good of a speaker. He says, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. And then he says, finally, oh, Lord, please send somebody else. He's kind of kind of reluctant getting started here, isn't he? I'm not your guy. Hey, I've tried and failed in the past. I made a mess of things on my own. I'm just a nobody in the backside of the desert. So Moses is throwing up every excuse in the book about not getting started. He even comes to the place where he says, God, can you get somebody else? <laughs> God starts to get a little heated here. You know, God is patient. 
But notice if you look in, in verse uh, chapter 14, verse, chapter 4 rather, verse 14, it says, Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And God's like, Just go, boy. Get going. Get started. I'm with you. I don't care about your past. I don't care about how badly you messed up. Just go get started. And you know what? It doesn't matter what 2016 was like, whether it was a great year or a bad year or a terrible year. Maybe it was a, a, a rough year. You know, somebody said if 2016 was a person, I'd sue him for pain, suffering, and lost wages. Right? Maybe it was a rough year. Maybe you had some financial setbacks. Maybe you lost somebody you loved or, or marriage went bad or a job loss and, and you're looking ahead to 2017 and you're thinking, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this year. I, I don't know if I'm gonna, how, how I'm going to get through this. But God is saying, I am with you. I will bring you through. You're going to make it. Just get started. Start where you're at, wherever you're at right now. Just start where you're at because in the end, it really doesn't matter who you are or where you are. It just matters who you're with. And God is with you. And that's all you need. But you got to start. You got to get started. So start where you're at. And then secondly is use what you got. Exodus 4 Verse 1 to 2, Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord didn't appear to you? I mean, Moses goes down and says, hey, the Lord appeared to me and says, hey, we, I'm supposed to lead you out. And they're going to say, how do we know the Lord appeared to you? I mean, anybody can say that. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Now, here's something you need to know or note is that whenever God asks you a question, it's not for discovery. It's not to gain information like we ask questions. God is omniscient or omniscience. He's all-knowing. So therefore, he doesn't ask questions to gain information. When God asks a question, whenever you see in Scripture God asking a question, it is to teach us something to, or, or to make a point. So God says, hey, Moses, what do you got in your hand? And Moses says, I got a staff. You know, a staff is pretty much standard issued equipment for uh, a shepherd. And a staff is just a big stick, right? <laughs> not, not, not much. But God can do a lot with a little. And so the Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground. And it became a snake and he ran from it. I don't blame him for that at all. I'd have done the same thing. As a matter of fact, if that were me, I'd still be running and the Jews would still be in Egypt. Okay? So in verse 4, then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And so Moses reached out his hand and took a hold of the snake and turned it back to a staff in his hand. So God says, pick it up by the tail, Moses. Now, if that was me, I'd have been, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. You know I love you, but don't ask me to pick up a snake, please. I mean, why couldn't you have turned it into puppies? I like puppies or kitty cats. Why did it have to be a snake? Because I don't like snakes. I don't know if I ever told you about my great snake encounter. I think I, I, I've talked about this in traditions where I, I preach almost every week, but 
But uh, one time we were, a friend of mine went on a fishing trip up to our cabin in New York State. It's a cabin, a log cabin my grandfather built back in the 30s. And we came in kind of late at night, and I went and sat on the couch, and I looked up, and there in the rafters, up in the log rafters, something was moving. Now, that's not a good thing. My first thought is, it's a bat, because there have been times when, over the years, we, we get a bat in or something, and, and so that I could deal with that. But as I watched it, I'm thinking, that's not a bat. That is a snake. <laughs> I have a snake in my rafters, and it's pretty high up, so I, we didn't know how to get it. And my friend Mike is like, oh, why don't we just go to sleep and we'll get it in the morning? No way. <laughs> not in a million years is that going to happen. I am not going to sleep with a snake in the house over my bed. I'm not waking up with a companion, okay? And so we, we try to figure out how to get him down. Finally, I went out to the woodshed and got an oar, a big, long oar, and, and we, we started reaching up and hitting him with the oar, and the snake finally dropped down on the floor, and I commenced to beating him to death with that oar. And, you know, I don't like to kill things, but I couldn't risk letting him live and go out and tell his other snake friends how he got into the house. So I don't like snakes, and, and Moses, has, he has his staff. He picks up the, the snake, and it turns back in, into a staff. A staff is just, it's just a stick. Yet with that staff, Moses struck the Nile, and it turned to blood. He stretched out his staff, and frogs came out and filled the land. Gnats filled the land. The sky, hail fell from the sky when he stretched out his staff. Wind brought locusts when Moses stretched out his staff. When Moses struck the rock, water gushed out and, and was able to quench the thirst of millions of people. God did miracle after miracle with nothing but a stick. God doesn't need much. A slingshot to take down a giant, a jawbone to, to kill a thousand guys, five loaves and two fish to feed over 5,000 people. God took two sticks, a cross, a cross is just two sticks, and saved the world. God can, can take ordinary things and do extraordinary things with it. Amen. You shall not pass. Okay. That wasn't Moses, that was Gandalf, okay? So you may have you may not have a lot to work with. You may be thinking, I just don't have a lot to offer. But you know what? You probably got more than a stick. But whatever you got, whatever you have, God can use it and God can do something with it. You might say, well, you know, Pastor Randy, I don't, I don't have much. I can't do much. But you know one thing? Like, I can make a great lasagna. That's a wonderful gift if you can do that, okay? I, I can make a great lasagna and I can make a lasagna and take it over somebody's house. Somebody I know who's hurting or could use encouragement or, or needs some help. God can take that lasagna and do extraordinary things through it. You may think, you know what, Pastor, I don't, I don't have a lot, but you know what? I like kids. I enjoy kids, but that's all I got. You know what? God can use you in Generation Kids Ministry. Love on kids, the, 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 the kids, the toddlers, the preschoolers, the babies, uh, you can help train them up in the way of the Lord so that they don't make the same mistakes that we made growing up. 
Or maybe you, maybe you're, you know, a young mom who desperately needs a break, and and you could say, you know what, I just just drop the kids off in my house. I'll watch them for a while, and you can go do some things you you want to do. Or you can say, you know what, Pastor Randy, I don't have much, but I can smile. I can say hi. Wait, you can be a greeter. You know, you're what that means. You're one of the, one of the first people guests meet coming to church. You're making, you're, you're our first impression from the church. It's a big deal. Or maybe you're thinking, you know what? I can't do much, but I can fix things. I'm good with my hands. We could, we could use that. There's people that can use that. Or, or uh, you know, there's all kinds of ways we can serve God and be used of God. Maybe you think, you know what? I, I don't have much, but I like to hike or I like to ride bikes or motorbikes. But you know what? You can get people to go hiking with you who maybe normally wouldn't grace the door of a church but you can bring the church to them. You probably have more than you think you do, but use what you got because God can use what you got. And here's the third thing. Do what you can do. Do what you can. In Exodus 4, Exodus 4, verse 10 to 12, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since, You have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? And who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I'll I'll teach you what to say. So Moses, he's in the process of throwing up every excuse in the book. God's knocking every one of them down. I'm a nobody. I can't speak. Who am I? He even says, God, Choose somebody else, please. Finally, God says, go. Move your tail, son. Get going. I'm sending you. And you know what? I'm going to help you. I'm going to teach you what to say. It's going to be fine. Just go. Go do what you can, and I'll take it from there. So get started. Use what you got till you get more, and do what you can do. Remember, we're the Ameride cans, right? Or if you're Canadian, you're the Canadians. <laughs> what are you facing this year? What needs to get done? What needs to get worked on? Get started. Maybe you got a marriage that's kind of shaky. Can you heal that marriage in, in a day? Can you heal it today? Well, you know, you didn't get into this mess in a day. You may not be able to heal it in a day, but, but do what you can. Today, I'm, I'm going to change. Today, I'm, I'm going I'm to apologize for where I've been wrong, and, and I'm going to start leading my family. Are you in debt? Are you going to get out of debt in one day if you're in debt? Well, probably not, but today, you can say, you know what? I am going to make better decisions. I'm going to start to budget and start paying down my debt. Do you want to be a marathon runner? Are you going you to be able to do that in, in one day? Probably not, but start where you are. Start and do what you can do. Start by running around the block. It's like the guy says, I run around the block every morning. I get out of bed, slide a block out from underneath my bed, run around it, and then get back in the bed. So you can do what you can, right? Something is better than nothing. Do what you can. Mother Teresa said, if you can't feed 100, then just feed one. You know, one one of those stories that I heard that, that has just kind of stuck with me over the decades of ministry that I've been in now 
is the starfish story. I don't know if you, have, you may have heard it if you've been around a long time, but I just, I always love hearing it. And it's basically this, this older man's walking along the beach after a storm, and there are hundreds of thousands of starfish washed up on the beach. And he comes across this little boy who's picking up starfish and throwing them back into the surf, one at a time. And he picks up one, and he's getting ready to throw it, and the old man says, son, there's hundreds of thousands of starfish here. What are you doing? What does it matter if you throw one more back in? And the little boy just looked at him, and he said, you know what? It matters to this one. It matters to one. Mosey Rosen, who, who was a Jewish man who got saved, found Jesus as his Messiah, and he started a ministry called Jews for Jesus. And maybe you've heard of them, but right now from, from just from him getting saved, he started this ministry. It's, it's blossomed out to hundreds of cities now, and they have given out millions upon millions of tracts to people. They call them broadsiders. They're little easy tracts you can read in just a few minutes. So millions of people have heard the gospel through his ministry. And as he was getting close to retirement, he gave, they, they had a dinner for him, and he got up, and he wanted to introduce his wife. And he said, this is my wife, Cecile. She's not a soul winner like me. As a matter of fact, she's only won one person to the Lord in her whole life, me. You may not win thousands of people to the Lord this year, but you can invite someone to church. Whatever it is, get started, start where you are. You know, someone said the, the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. It always starts with the first step. Use what you got. If you have a lot, use a lot. If you have a little, use a little. Remember, Jesus, Jesus said, if you've been faithful in little, you're going to be given more. So use what you got to your given more and do what you can do. You can say, Lord, you know what? I, I, I don't have much. I can't do much. But what I can do, I'm going to do. Be like Moses this coming year. Hebrews 11 said, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I refuse, I refuse to be known by my past. I refuse to be defined by my failures and mistakes. I refuse to simply be a product of my environment. I choose to be mistreated with God's people. I reject the pleasures of sin for a season because I am looking forward to my reward. Therefore, I am going to follow the Lord in 2017. 2016 is over, and I got one shot at 2017. And today, I'm going to get started because, remember, you're never going to finish what you don't start. And if you're not dead, you're not done. God has something special for you to do. God has something for you to change in your life. God has something for you to start. And today you can get started on a life that is just amazing, significant, used of God. You know, a life that at your memorial service, people are going to look back and say, you know what, that Randy, man, that Randy, he refused to be defined by his past. He refused to be a product of his environment. He chose Jesus. He chose to follow Jesus. He chose disgrace for the sake of Christ over the pleasures of sin. Why did he do that? Well, I'll tell you why he did that, because he was looking forward to his reward. That's why he did that. He saw him who is invisible. That's what we want people to say at your memorial service as well. Let's bow our heads as we go to the Lord this morning. Like I said this morning, you can get started on something great in your life, something amazing. If you've never done this, 
it is receiving Christ as your Savior. Jesus came into the world to save us, to bring us to him, to start a, a, into a relationship with him, a whole new life in him. And if you've never done that, this morning is, a, is your opportunity to say, yes, God, I want to know you. I want to receive you into my heart. I want my sins forgiven. So if you're here this morning and you say, yeah, you know what? What a, what a great day to start a relationship with God, the first day of a new year. If you're here this morning and you're like, hey, I, I want to know Jesus. I want to receive him into my life. If that's your desire, just as a way of, of expressing that, just as a way of saying, yes, that's me. My eyes are closed and heads are bowed. I'm just going to ask you, just raise your hand. Just put it up there so I can see it and just say, yes, that's me. I want to receive Christ as my Savior. Just put it up there nice and high so I can see it. We don't want to miss anybody. Okay, thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Just raise it up there. This is just a way of saying, yeah, I, I, I want to receive Jesus this morning. Okay, let's, yeah, thank you. I see that hand up front. God bless you. All right, let's do this. Let's, let's just pray this prayer together. I'm just going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. It's, it's a prayer of just asking Jesus to come into your life and starting a new life with him. How exciting is that? So just pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, Lord, I come to you this morning and I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of all my sins and to make me brand new. And from this day forward, I want to follow you and become a, a child of God. Help me to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you raise your hand this morning, you know what? We are just so excited for you. You are starting a new life, and it's going to be a great life. Let's give a hand for those who received Christ this morning.